continue uh, with the gospel reading. This is what the sermon will be based on. Uh, comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 20. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Uh, my brothers and sisters, locked. If I had to describe the disciples on that, that Easter evening, so the, the evening after that morning when Jesus rose from the grave, that evening, if I had to des describe the disciples in one word, I would use the word locked. I mean, quite literally, they're locked in the middle of this house because they're scared of the Jewish leaders because if the Jewish leaders can get Jesus to be crucified, even though they had absolutely nothing on him, well, what can't they do to the disciples? Locked. Locked emotionally. The disciples aren't only paralyzed by fear of the Jewish leaders, they are paralyzed by guilt, by regret, and grief. I mean, Jesus, their friend, their teacher, their leader is now dead, and they are probably next. Locked spiritually as well. And Jesus wasn't just some teacher. Jesus was the Son of God. He was the Messiah. I mean, this was someone that God himself came from the sky and said, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. And the disciples abandoned him when he needed them most. Uh, how would God deal with that? See, not only are the disciples locked into this room, they're actually locked out of heaven because there is no way that God could forgive them for what they did. But what does God do? Well, God shows up. Not at the door. Uh, God shows up in the middle of the room. And any fear that the disciples had uh, of the Jewish leaders is now replaced by sheer terror as they see victorious, alive, all-powerful Jesus standing in front of them. I mean, if you were a disciple, what would you expect? I think I would probably expect, at worst, payback. Right? Jesus is here to pay me back for what I've done. Maybe a little better would just be if he just fired the disciples from like being disciples and just picked 12 new people that are better at their jobs and the disciples can just live their lives in, in shame. I think the best thing the disciples can expect is, is maybe Jesus just gives them like a, a checklist, a set of things that they can do to earn his trust back. But that's not what Jesus does. What does Jesus do? Jesus comes to them. He says, peace be with you. Now, now, this isn't just a, hi, how are you, kind of greeting. You know, the, the, when Jesus says, peace be with you, he would have actually said shalom. The Hebrew word shalom that we translate into peace. And the Hebrew word shalom doesn't just mean peace, tranquility, calmness. No, shalom means so much more than that. Shalom means completeness, wholeness, complete security, the, the way that things are meant to be. So what is Jesus really saying to them? He's not saying, guys, calm down, chill out. No, he's saying, I know what you have done. I know everything you have done. And yes, it was bad, but I don't want you to feel any guilt. I don't want you to feel any grief. I don't want you to feel insecure at all. I forgive you. 
I forgive you of everything. I forgive you freely, wholly, completely, and unconditionally. You are forgiven. And I want you to be at peace. Well, what does he do next? Well, he says, I forgive you, essentially. And he shows them his hands, the holes in his hands and the stab wound in his side. Why would he do that? Well, first of all, to, to sh- prove to them that, hey, this is actually me, Jesus, right? I'm the one that died on that cross. I'm not someone else. Also, I think probably to show them that he's like actually physically alive. He's not just a spirit or a ghost. He's actually physically alive. But I think really, really the reason he would do that, he is showing them the reason why they are forgiven. He is showing them the reason why they can have this kind of peace. Because he was punished for them. He was punished in their place. And now he is alive. See, if Jesus only died and, and he's not alive, well, then it, it wouldn't matter, right? Because he's just a regular person. But because Jesus was crushed in their place and is now alive, that proves that God accepted that sacrifice and that their sins are completely, unconditionally, freely forgiven. That they are wholly, radically okay. They are okay. And what's the result? It's, oh, whoops. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. It's not, it's not like they were just kind of like giddy and happy. It's not just relief. They were filled with pure, undiminishable joy that would never leave them, even throughout the years when they would have to deal with severe persecution and death of their loved ones and severe poverty and eventually their own cruel torture and death. That joy would never leave them. That is the result of Jesus' forgiveness. That is the result. Shalom, peace, knowing that I am completely, unconditionally, radically okay. Peace be with you. That's That's the result. And I think we all know that that really it, it wasn't just the disciples that were locked. They weren't the only ones that needed Jesus to come with the keys and unlock them. We need it too. We need Jesus to come to us and say, peace be with you. See, have you ever wondered why we as humans will work and work and work ourselves to death, even at the cost of our health, even at the cost of our relationships with our spouses and our children? Or we just work ourselves to death just to get a little extra money, just to get that next promotion, just to get that next recognition from that boss, just to buy, be able to buy that nice, nicer car, that nicer house. Why, why do we do that? Why do we go back to toxic relationships that we know are bad for us? Why do we keep returning to people that we know are going to hurt us again and we think, oh, they're not going to hurt me this time, but they do? Why do we do that? Why do we keep feeding our addictions and keep putting things into our bodies and our minds that we know are killing us and that we know are hurting our loved ones. Why do we do that? Why does it bother us so much? All the little things like when that person gets more recognition for their work than I do or when that person gets more likes on their Instagram or their Facebook than I do or or when that person seems to have a happier family or a, a more satisfying life than I Why does that bother why does that bother us so much? It shouldn't. Why does it? Because each of us knows deep, deep down that we are not whole. We're incomplete. And we think, well, maybe if I just get that next promotion, 
maybe if I just make that, you know, make that amount of money, maybe if I'm able to buy that house, maybe if I'm able to get that person to love me and find me attractive, maybe if I'm able to get this many people to think, you know, recognize me and get on my social media, or whatever it is, whatever it is, then I'll be okay. Then I'll be complete. Then I will have shalom. I'll be whole. And here, I'm going to appeal to all of you here today that are maybe a little bit more seasoned in life. Um, to all of you who have had worldly success, who have made the money, who have gotten the jobs, who have had the great relationships and the great families, um, does it really fill you? Does it? When you, when you get that next thing that you were wanting so badly, does it really fill you? Does it really make you complete? Or does it just leave you just as empty, actually more empty than you were before? Because you think that's going to fill you and it doesn't. See, the truth is, you need so much more than just success, just more money, just a better relationship, just that person to think you're attractive, more than just beauty, more than just affirmation. Whether you know it or not, what you truly need in the deepest, darkest corner of your soul is forgiveness. You need Jesus to come to you and say to you, I know what you have done, and I completely forgive you. You need Jesus to come to you and say, peace be with you. And he does. Jesus comes into your life and with the keys to unlock that to unlock you and to unlock the gates of heaven for you. And he says, peace be with you. I am here not to condemn you. I am here not to give you some really thought-provoking wisdom in your life. I am not here to give you a set of rules that you can follow so that I accept you. No, if I'm going to accept you and love you, I have to do so because I am good, not because you are good. I have to forgive you only because I love you. And I do. And do you want proof? Don't, don't look to yourself for peace and, and security. Look at me. Look at the holes in my hand. Look at the stab wound in my side. I have died for you. I have paid your price. And now look at me. I am alive. Jesus is living, breathing proof that you are absolutely, completely, radically okay because he is living, breathing proof that God the Father looks at you and does not see your past, he does not see your flaws, he does not see the things that you are deeply ashamed of. He sees absolute perfection. See, this is one of the reasons why Easter is so, so important, why Easter is really the most important part of the church year. And, and because Jesus' resurrection means that the only person in this entire universe that you need to approve of you, the only person that you truly need to like you, the only person whose approval really matters, he's ravished by you. He thinks you're perfect. He looks at you and he's delighted. He's pleased with you. That means that you don't need to make yourself a slave just for a little bit of money, just for 10 more followers, just for th that person to, to, th to be uh, ravished by. No, 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 no. God sees you, and he sees perfect, and he accepts you unconditionally. That is what that means. Peace be with you. Now, 
Jesus doesn't stop there. That's, that's what's crazy. Jesus does, I mean, it'd be great if Jesus stopped there. He doesn't. Look at what Jesus does next. Again, Jesus says, peace be with you. Because when Jesus is giving his forgiveness and his love, he doesn't just say it once and then expect you to just hold on to that. No, no, no. He says it again and again and again. He's not like that husband who says, I love you at the wedding, and then just say, well, if I change my mind, I'll let you know. No, he says, I love you again and again and again. And then notice what he does. As the Father sent me, I am sending you just like God the Father sent God the Son, not to condemn the world, not to pay the world back for its wrong, not to even be an example to the world, but to forgive the world and to to declare that forgiveness to the world. Now Jesus is sending his disciples to declare that same forgiveness to the world. Just like Jesus has spoken peace and comfort and truth and forgiveness into the lives of the disciples, now he's giving them the mission, "Go, go give the world the peace that I've given you. And notice what, he's, what, he, what he does next. Just like he breathed life into Adam's nostrils for in the Garden of Eden and gave the dead body of Adam life, just like he breathed life into the Valley of Dry Bones in Ezekiel's vision, he gives them life. He breathes on them and gives them the Holy Spirit. He gives them the ability and empowers them to do the mission that he has given them. He sends the Holy Spirit through and in connection with what? With the declaration of of forgiveness. So wherever the declaration of forgiveness is, that's where the Holy Spirit is. And so in the same way that he has spoken peace, peace be with you in their lives, now they are going to be able to go out and say, peace be with you to the people in their lives. And what, what he does next is even more astonishing. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. And if not, no. What is he saying? Well, Think of what Jesus did. He had the keys and he unlocked heaven's door for the disciples. He unlocked them from their paralyzing grief and fear. And now Jesus puts the house keys into the hands of the disciples and says, you know what? When you forgive people of their sins and you say peace be with you, it is just as valid and just as liberating and just as powerful as if I were to go to them and say it to them myself. When you forgive people's sins in my name, it is just as valid as if I do it. When you forgive people, I forgive people. And no, he's not saying that you get to decide who doesn't get into heaven, so if you lock the doors and they can, no, 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 no. He also gives them the, the authority and really the responsibility to tell people when they're not repentant, when you reject God's mercy, then you are locked out of heaven. That's, that's what he's saying. But in the same way that Jesus didn't just say, peace be with you to the disciples. He also says it to you. Jesus didn't just place the keys of his kingdom into the disciples' hands. He placed them into yours. All of you who have been radically, freely, unconditionally forgiven by Jesus now have the keys of that kingdom into, in your hands. You have the authority and the power and the responsibility and privilege to speak that same peace and truth and comfort into the lives of the people around you. And when you do that, God promises that it is just as valid, just as binding, just as beautiful and powerful as if Jesus were doing it himself. And one of the most powerful ways that you can share Jesus with people and and share his love is instead of taking revenge on the people that have hurt you, saying to them, not only do I forgive you, but Jesus forgives you as well. Now, how does that happen? 
right? Because it, it's easy to forgive people that we like. It's easy to forgive people that we think kind of deserve our forgiveness. It's easy to forgive people that are easy to talk to and, and easy to deal with. But, but what about the relatives that uh, you don't want to talk to anymore because they're just so horrible? What about all the fake friends? What about all the people in your life that have deeply hurt you and the people that are not easy to deal with? How, how, do, you, how do you forgive them? Well, Jesus has the answer here. It's the Holy Spirit. Because that's not something that humans can do on their own. You need God's presence in your heart. You need the Holy Spirit. And how does the Holy Spirit come? He comes through and in connection with the, the declaration of the forgiveness of your sins. So think about it like this. When you understand how freely, how richly, and how costly you have been forgiven, the Holy Spirit empowers you to be able to say to forgive the people in your life just as freely and just as unconditionally. And now it needs to be said. It needs to be said that if someone has hurt you in your life that has, that, that's been really severe, or you've been hurt by someone in an especially egregious way, or you are a victim of abuse, forgiving that person does not mean putting yourself into a position to be abused again. That is not what forgiveness means. Forgiveness does not mean that the pain just goes away and that you completely forget about it and that it doesn't even exist anymore. Uh, forgiveness does not mean that you have to accept that person back into your life and, and give that person an opportunity to hurt you again. That's not what forgiveness is. If that's the case with you and the person that you are forgiving, then forgiveness means in an appropriate way not wanting to get them back. Saying to them, I forgive you. I'm not going to get you back. And Jesus forgives you as well. And if they're not repentant, if they're not even sorry for what they've done, and they don't want forgiveness, then there is no forgiveness. Right? This is what Jesus is talking about when he says, if you don't forgive anyone their sins, they're not forgiven. Because just like your privileges to unlock heaven's doors for people that are repentant, if they're not repentant, well, you're not locking them out of heaven. They already are. Your job is to tell them, hey, if you keep rejecting God's mercy, if you keep rejecting God's forgiveness, then you're not going to get it. But to the people in your lives who desperately need forgiveness, who desperately are, are seeking wholeness and, and, and truth and, and peace and, and all the things, uh, you know, their, their jobs, their relationships, all the things that you know they're not going to find it, who desperately need to know how much Jesus has forgiven them. You have the power and the privilege. And you, you really, you have one of the most powerful ways to share Jesus with them. You are forgiven. Peace be with you. Um, something kind of interesting. Um, so sometimes people ask me, you know, what does it mean that we are a Lutheran church? What does that mean? Does it mean like we really like Martin Luther King Jr.? Well, we do like Martin Luther King Jr. He's one of the greatest Americans to ever live. But that's not why we call ourselves Lutheran. Uh, we call ourselves Lutheran because uh, a German theologian in the 1500s named Martin Luther uh, in a time when the church was really going off course and not teaching the things that the Bible teaches, Martin Luther, um, among many other theologians, brought the church back to what the Bible truly teaches, to the essential truths of the Bible. Essentially that you are forgiven, you are loved, you are cherished, you are accepted by God, not because of what you have done, but because of what Jesus has done. 
right? That, that, and that itself, the, just that. You don't offer anything to God. He gives it all to you as a free gift, right? That's, that's why we call ourselves Lutherans, but because the Bible clearly teaches that. But one of Luther's uh, closest friends was an artist, a painter, and one of the greatest painters of that era named Lucas Cranach. And Lucas Cranach, you know, he really, you know, caught, he, he bought into Luther's teachings, and it, you can look him up on Google when you get home because some of his paintings are, are just so vivid and they vividly, powerfully express uh, biblical truths. And one of his most famous pieces is the altarpiece at the St. Mary's City Church in Wittenberg, Germany. Uh, it's also called the Stadtkirche, but this is kind of the church where uh, Luther and the other people in his circle were members at, so Luther did a lot of his preaching here. And Lucas Cranach uh, made this altarpiece to be front and center of that church. And with this altarpiece, Lucas Cranach aimed to kind of answer that question that you might have right now. How does Jesus come to us today and say, peace be with you? How does Jesus come to you and breathe his Holy Spirit into you? How does Jesus come to you today and unlock heaven's doors for you? And so we see, so the first one, right, that's holy baptism. So in holy baptism, Jesus comes to you and says, peace be with you by claiming that person, whether it's a, a small child, whether it's an adult, claiming that person to be a part of his kingdom, washing the sin away with the water and saying, you are my child, you are a part of my kingdom and your name is written in the book of life. Peace be with you. Right, that's one of the ways that Jesus comes and says, peace be with you. Another way, so this is uh, Lucas Cronach's depiction of the Lord's Supper. And so you actually see Judas Iscariot on the bottom in the orange with that money bag on his, on his leg. So how does Jesus come to us and say, peace be with you? Well, he comes to us in Holy Communion. He comes to us in, in his body and blood with the bread and wine and says, take and eat. This is my body. Take and eat. This is my blood. This is living, breathing proof. I am with you, and you are forgiven of your sins. Peace be with you. And so that's why we say in communion, take and eat, take and drink for the forgiveness of your sins. And when you leave, your sins are forgiven. Peace be with you. Another way, um, so on the right there is actually Martin Luther himself preaching. And one of the ways that Jesus comes to us and says, peace be with you, is through the sermon through the gospel proclaimed in the sermon that be, and what's, because what's Luther pointing to? He's not saying, hey, look at me. No, he's saying, look at him. Look at Jesus' death on the cross. Because Jesus died on the cross, because he was abandoned by God instead of you, your sins have been forgiven, right? So that, uh, that's one of my favorite um, pictures actually of all time because that, that, you know, shapes how our pastor's supposed to preach. It's not about me. Look at him. Look at Jesus. So, and then here's one that you might not be super familiar with. So this is a close-up on the picture that's on the right uh, of the altarpiece. Um, the man in the middle with the hilarious hat has an equally hilarious name. His name is Johannes Bugenhagen. So Lindsay and Tony, you know, your baby booth, you know, Johannes Bugenhagen. But um, this is Johannes Bugenhagen, and you know what he has in his hands? Keys. And so what's happening here? Well, on, on the left, you see a man uh, on his knees repenting of his sins. And, and Johannes Bugenhagen, it, it, it's what Jesus is talking about. He's unlocking heaven's door and saying, you are forgiven. Peace be with you. And then on the other hand, right, we see someone with really, you know, elaborate, rich clothes. And, and quite literally, his, his hands are bound. And, and so this is kind of a, a, a depiction of the ministry of the keys, 
that to the repentant sinners, Johannes Guggenhagen says, you are forgiven, and to the people that aren't repentant, he has to tell them, hey, it, if you don't want forgiveness, you're not going to get it. And this, this happened in, mo- in two major ways in th- that church. So Johannes Bugenhagen was kind of the pastor, the, the major pastor of St. Mary's uh, Church in Wittenberg. And he would do what we, we do still today, right? In the service, right, we all confess our sins as a, a family of God. And I, in the authority of Christ, say, you are forgiven. Peace be with you. But also what they would do is they would actually have private confession sessions, where they would actually go to Martin Bugen, or excuse me, Johannes Bugenhagen personally and, and say the things that they're really ashamed of. And Johannes Bugenhagen would say, by Christ's authority, you are absolutely forgiven. And so something to think about maybe today uh, as you go home. Do you have a Johannes Bugenhagen in your life? Do you have a person in your life that you can go to confess the things in your past that you are really ashamed of and then have that person look at you and say, by Christ's authority, you are absolutely forgiven. Peace be with you. Now, don't get me wrong. When we in the service, you know, do the confession absolution and I or pastor tell you your sins are forgiven, it is just as valid, just as powerful, just as true that you are forgiven as if Jesus came to you himself and said, peace be with you, you are forgiven. But one of the really powerful ways that God wants to make his peace and his presence and his forgiveness known in your life and to show you just how much he loves you is when you go to maybe your spouse, maybe a trusted friend, or your pastor and tell him your your sins that you're really ashamed of. And he looks you in the eye and says, you were forgiven. Peace be with you. But that being said, The keys of the kingdom of God itself are in your hands. And you have the power and authority and the privilege from God himself to speak the same peace and the same forgiveness into the lives of the people around you. To essentially show God is is not a God of rules. He's a God of rescue. And God God, God is not a God of revenge. He's a God of reconciliation. In other words... Peace be with you. Amen. We'll continue with our confession of faith using the Nicene Creed. Please stand.